Hi. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. Today I'm bringing on to the podcast Brace Belden of the True Anon podcast. Most of our listeners are probably already familiar with what True Anon is, but if you're not, it's an extremely prolific podcast that dives into deep politics and I would say conspiracy facts. Brace is extremely knowledgeable on a lot of deep politics subjects. And they present content in a different way than most other podcasts that dabble into conspiracies. So sort of similar to Media Roots Radio, where we actually try to address and talk about some of these quote-unquote conspiracy theories, but we do it in an investigative fashion. And Brace also sort of has a similar approach, and they've actually outdone themselves this time. The podcast True and On is actually on the ground in New York City, in Manhattan, at the Manhattan Federal Courthouse, covering the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Brace and Liz Franzik, his, or I should say they're both the hosts of True and On. She was not able to join us, unfortunately, for the podcast today, but both of them have been on the ground, basically covering this trial every day. And they're not the only people there covering it. It's actually quite a publicized trial. It's probably the only trial that's really taking up a lot of news headlines still. In fact, as I'm recording this intro to the podcast, the Ghislaine Maxwell trial is pretty much over. And the jury is still deliberating. Now, what's interesting is True and On has gotten the attention they deserve for covering this and doing original reporting on it, on-the-ground reporting about the trial. Friend of the podcast, Marlon Edinger, has gotten some traction with his original reporting on the ground. He's doing excellent work. But what's very strange is, even though True and On is getting you know credit for this and Marlon Edinger's gotten some new followers over this, there's been this extremely bizarre, I guess the only way to say it is, a Twitter account that has gained a huge following that seemed to have taken up all of the attention from all of these original reporters taking attention away from them. This Twitter account called Ghislaine Maxwell Trial Tracker was not even on the ground reporting from it. They were just taking all the information secondhand. I'm not really giving credit where it's due. This Twitter account managed to essentially take up so much attention that it fooled dozens of prominent leftists on Twitter into just signal boosting it and promoting it. Because eventually this account gets banned by Twitter, and the reason it gets banned is because of artificial signal boosting. That was the official reason for banning. This account basically purchased followers, or it purchased a Twitter account. It's actually unclear. It's just crazy to me that this ended up getting so much attention when there are real people on the ground actually doing real journalism there. No, I'm going to promote this basically completely scammy-seeming account that's like a cryptocurrency bro trying to get money for his Substack account. But no, let's just signal boost this guy and, and not talk about any of the original reporting going on. And then when the account gets banned, act like it's some conspiracy to silence the trial. So I guess it feels good for people to do that, but in reality, I think what's important is what's actually happening at the trial. Who is Ghislaine Maxwell? 
Who's her father? How is she tied to Epstein? Is this trial really going to reveal anything explosive that we don't already know? But what information can we glean from the trial in general, or maybe seen between the lines? So without wasting any more of your time on this ranty intro, let's get to our discussion with Brace Belden. That's right. So you're still on the jewel, Brace. I want to. You you are you, you're just gently fingering a joint. <laughs> I am. I I I had to get off the jewel because, well, partly because of doctor's recommendation, but also with those goddamn pods, man. They, like, one out of every three of them feels like it's Burst. defective. I feel they got. There's got to be someone in the factory like pu- purposely puncturing every like one out of every three or something. I will say I'm never like a product <laughs> complainer guy, but Jewel probably has the lowest quality product. <laughs> That you can consistently purchase. Like every single one, like le- you just end up inhaling vape juice and yeah. just spitting it out. It's disgusting. Are you on the um are you on the pipeline to import or are where are you living right now? Are you you're not in the Bay Area anymore? No, or- I'm in LA, but I'm uh I'm in New York right now. I've been out here for I mean I've been in New York a bunch the past couple of months because we did some shows and recording out here, but yeah, so I'm can you still get the flavored the flavored pods in New York? Yeah, all it's all I you can buy menthol. I, I like the menthol ones the best, even out of the flavored ones. Okay. But um they're illegal, but you can still buy them everywhere. They just have them under the counter. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's hilarious. It's so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Well, I didn't bring you on to talk about electronic cigarettes, mm-hmm. but uh we could we could do a whole episode on that. Um oh, yeah, we potentially. Could. Cause I, cause isn't Jewel owned by like R.J. Reynolds or something? I mean, it's like a, it's like a big tobacco company that owns it, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it is. But it's it's funny because do you remember when they were trying to make Jewel illegal in San Francisco? I think yeah. they like yeah. succeeded, but there was some. It's got like some timeline built into it where it doesn't happen for a while. Um, when they were doing that campaign, a guy came up to me on the street when I was smoking Jewel and asked me if I wanted to be like a citizen ambassador for Jewel. So like to go, but like how that would be so ineffective because it'd just be me talking to people going <laughs> like constantly just like Julian being like, oh no, it's actually totally fine. Um, it's about personal choice. I'm like, no, dude, I know this product is bad. I'm addicted to it and like waste a bunch of money on something that does not make me feel good, happy, or, and it in, in fact negatively impacts my life in several ways. Why would I be an ambassador for it? <laughs> That's a good point. I switched to the gum actually, so I'm I'm not nicotine free. Yeah, which is, but hey, it's at least it's breaking kind of the habit of constantly smoking. On except something. that, yeah. Well, well, first I should ask you how do you pronounce her first name? Because I've said it Jizlane, but I've been told that's not how you pronounce it. How do you pronounce it? Robbie, there's no. I've come to the conclusion that nobody fucking knows her. <laughs> All right, so it's spelled G H I S. L-A-I-N-E. I at first pronounced it Ghislaine, too, because that's, you know, I think that's just, for a lot of Americans, maybe that's for some reason our kind of go-to pronunciation. It's a French name. Her mother was French. And so French people would pronounce it Ghislaine. But all the French people that I've heard say it, or excuse me, I've heard French people say it, and sometimes they say Ghislaine or Ghislaine, 
but her, all of her defense attorneys pronounce it in entirely different ways. So I just go with Ghislaine, even though it's probably the most, um, I don't know, uh, caveman type way to say it. But Ghislaine is is what she's getting out of me. But it, as as far as I know, there's no um, there's no real correct pronunciation of it. It's just it is it's not Ghislaine, but I like saying that. <laughs> Understood. So yeah, you yeah. guys have been you guys have been out there covering uh, this trial. Which mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of people weren't even expecting to happen because of what happened to Epstein. Yeah. Um, but I guess let, just start off by telling me. Assume I have been in a coma for like the last eight years. Our audience knows nothing about who she is. What What would you tell people who have no idea, have even following the Epstein thing, like why this trial is important, why so many people are even following it? interested in it and why you guys uh are there so galane maxwell has well there's a few different ways that people have tried to describe her but Jelaine maxwell was the the second in command which i actually have some problems with that framing but she was she was partners with one of the most um notorious well-connected and famous pedophiles of the 20th late 20th 21st centuries jeffrey epstein she got together with Jeffrey Epstein, who's a billionaire, uh, in probably the late 1980s, possibly introduced through her father, Robert Maxwell, who I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, but who was um, first accused of being a spy for Mossad, uh, one of Israel's intelligence agency, agencies in the 1980s, um, I think first by Seymour Hirsch. So she gets together after her father mysteriously dies in 1991, and I mean mysteriously dies, he falls off his yacht uh, in the middle of the ocean and is lost at sea. Um, and uh, she gets together with Jeffrey Epstein really like closely after or around when her father dies. And Jeffrey Epstein at this point is a kind of rags to riches, not rags, but you know, a like normal upbringing uh, to very, very rich uh, finance, you know, Bear Stearns guy, uh, you know, lifestyle, a billionaire who is, uh, it's well, not at this time, but a very rich man who had gotten his money through somewhat mysterious circumstances, uh, most likely uh, much of it through Leslie Wexner, a, the billionaire owner of like L Brands and, you know, like Victoria's Secret, uh, The Limited, The Limited 2. Um she gets together with him and she has a bunch of social connections because she comes from an aristocratic French family, but also uh, she is the son of Robert Maxwell, who himself was a very powerful figure in uh, British like media, economic and political life, uh, owned a bunch of newspapers, sort of a Rupert Murdoch figure. Um, she is able to introduce Jeffrey Epstein to basically all the rich and powerful people that you could ever dream of. Uh, you know, they go to the Clinton White House. It's now been revealed, I think, as of last week, 17 times. Uh, she's introduces him to Prince Andrew, who really hits it off with him. And basically through her connections, Jeffrey Epstein really makes his way through like the the upper echelons of the political and financial and uh, scientific elite. Of course, while he's doing this, he's also... Um, having sex with very young girls um you know the lowest we've heard of is 12 but usually from around 14 to 16 um he also of course spends a lot of time with girls who are overage but you know very young themselves not overage but you know over 18 yeah 
Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell joins him in a lot of the sex acts, but also really is um, much more adept than Epstein, who's kind of fumbling at it, um, at procuring young girls and getting them to come to Epstein's place. While this is happening, Epstein is said to have, by a bunch of the girls and a bunch of people who work for him, cameras in uh, at least his New York townhouse, which is at one point the largest townhouse ever sold or ever built, whatever, in, in Manhattan. No longer is, but but was a, was the most expensive uh, house ever sold. Um, in fact, Jeffrey Epstein never bought it. Leslie Wexner bought it. Never spent more than two weeks there in his life and then just gave it to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, they, they, they sort of continue on this, gaining more and more influence and power for about a decade. I mean, really from like the, the, the early 90s until the early 2000s. In the early 2000s, they kind of split off from each other. Um, she actually gets together with the, uh, the co-founder of Gateway Computers, Ted Waits. Um, Wait, can I interrupt you for a quick but, second? Absolutely. Um, what do you know anything about her previous boyfriend, G- Gia Franco? He uh, <laughs> sounds like an Italian. He's a count. I I, I don't know wh- yeah. who is that guy. Do you know anything about him? What? Let me say is. Let me say is. <laughs> I gotta get his full name because it's. There we go. Count Gian Count Gianfranco Chigono Mazzoni. <laughs> uh, yes, this is actually one of the main like ex boyfriends that she had before Epstein. Because she's been linked to a lot of people, like she likely fucked Boris Johnson in college. You know, she's obviously had some kind of thing with Prince Andrew, but Gianfranco Mazzoni was like her main big boyfriend before Epstein. He was a count. He was a member of the Order of the Knights of Malta and their ambassador to Kenya. Which okay, why? What like what? What's the, what's their office look like there? I mean, that's just Kenya. But my my rule is um, any European who makes a career out of Africa, there's something wrong with him. Um, he's doing something bad. But he was he was the heir to the Cigna or Chigna, I don't know how to pronounce it, but C-I-G-N-A, Hotels Clan, they're often called, although it's just a family. Um, so really rich guy in his own right. Um, he actually died in an air crash, which is... Uh, in ins- there's an insane video of him dying in an air crash in South Africa in 2012, and they're playing at the air show Danger Zone. Wait, he was in it. He performed in an air show. Wait, yes. what? Wait, wait, wait. His his great his great passion was airplanes, much like Jeffrey Epstein's. <laughs> and he dies in like there's like a full video of it oh, of like shit. someone on the ground like taping it. And you see his I plane go down and hit the ground. I went. I've went into some dark air show disaster rabbit holes before. I didn't, I've never heard of this, this before, is, so this is that's pretty crazy. But so, would you say it's accurate to say like there does seem to be some ambiguity surrounding like what Epstein's relationship with Maxwell actually was? Were they? Yeah, you say they were partners. Was there like an explicit romantic partnership there? So, yes, absolutely. I mean, that's actually been one of the things they've been trying to figure out at the trial. Mm-hmm. Or like not figure out, but to really nail down at the trial. The crazy thing is, is we still don't really know exactly how they met and what their life was like after they did. Like, we don't know precisely who introduced them. Uh, it could have been her father, Robert Maxwell. It could have been Trump. 
you know, it could have been, I mean, it could have been any number of people. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's the, the generally sort of settled upon estimate of when they met was 1988, but they really are confirmed to be dating in 91. I think there's some articles that talk about, uh, her as his, his girlfriend. And then sort of the rumor is, and this sort of tracks to be true, is they spent they don't necessarily, they're kind of out of a strict romantic relationship in 1997, but it doesn't really change how things operate because she still works for him. They still have sex together. She still lives at his Palm Beach house in his room. And like there, I'm not really sure what exactly the change is there. Interesting. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, that to me has been unclear this whole time. It's like, I never remember mm-hmm. seeing them in like tabloids as like a cu- famous couple or like the news. You know, I remember, you know, Ghislaine Maxwell's at Chelsea Clinton's wedding. So she was like in sort of that yeah. celebrity orbit. I mean, Epstein was too, but as a couple, I don't, I don't yeah. really remember much like coverage of them as like a power couple of any kind. Do you think there was some kind of, I mean, maybe this requires some speculation, but do you think they had some just kind of business oh, yeah. arrangement? Like they were still coupled in a technical sense like maybe still having sex she was still procuring him women Mm -hmm. but that was maybe just like a relationship of convenience like was there is there any i guess what i'm asking is maybe is there any evidence that they were like really romantic at any time like are there pictures of them like so it's actually something we saw at the trial which um were, were so this involves me explaining something a little more too but like or maybe getting ahead of myself a little bit, but uh, we'd known about a bunch of CDs with pictures on them at Epstein's townhouse that the FBI found. Turns out they were way, way, way more than we thought. Something like 38,000 images scattered across like over a dozen binders um, filled with CDs. And they revealed some of the trial. Unfortunately, the only ones that they revealed were of Epstein and Ghislaine. And they actually showed Epstein and Ghislaine being really intimate and like looking really like a couple, you know, like arms around each other, kissing each other, you know, like it, it, very clearly like couple pose. But most of those seem to date from mid to early 90s. So they definitely were a couple. I mean, they were clearly in, and I, I'm not even making a joke here, but like in a in a open relationship, um, considering that, Ghislaine Maxwell has also been romantically linked to Bill Clinton um, through Bill Clinton and Maxwell being sort of spotted on a date, but also through Clinton's sort of bagman Ron Burkle, who is kind of the guy that Clinton would send to like attend to his women. Um, in fact, in the trial, we saw that Ghislaine Maxwell actually was sending him packages with packages to Burkle um, for quite a while. And yeah, um, I don't really know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I think that they were like in love and certainly she was in love with him. That is very obvious. Just, you know, regardless of all of the, you know, spy stuff or honeypot or anything like that, Ghislaine Maxwell's unrequited love for Jeffrey Epstein looms pretty large over this entire case because it's clear that he did not like whatever business or political arrangement or whatever they had between each other. He definitely, at least after the mid '90s, no longer had the romantic um, desires that she did. And you said something earlier uh, that you think, and I don't know, remember exactly what you said, but that parts of the way that the media tends to re- characterize her is inaccurate, 
or rubs you the wrong way. What what do you think that the the way the media or how they portray her? I mean, I know there was like one editorial that was like blatantly saying like she's a victim, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Like that I mean, it's obviously like a gross example, but on a more like subtle level, how do you think the media has been getting this wrong or trying to spin this in a in a direction that you think is untruthful or inaccurate? Well, I th- I think we sort of see the stark divide between like what the me- like the sort of my my father calls the tethered press can do versus maybe like the untethered press because you know the 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 sort of settled upon language that has become sort of um that like that 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 it's like you, you kind of got to use if you work for a major outlet to describe her seems to describe her as Epstein's procurer or like his madam or something like that kind of like a lower level pimp for him in yeah, some ways kind of and like you know that's not that's not in itself totally inaccurate you know like she was one of the people that procured for him but that's like it does a poor job of giving an actual picture of what their relationship was like because it was a lot more um uh, i mean she participated in a lot of this i mean there's girl like there's multiple girls who said that that this actually like Ghislaine and Maxwell or excuse me Ghislaine and Epstein were involved in molesting them. Um, so you know, a, a, it's a little different than just being a pimp, but also she like she was she was a important. Epstein was clumsy at this. He was heavy handed. He couldn't like when he tried to do it himself. That's when he got caught, or like when he had other people try to help him, like. By the time he gets arrested in um in Palm Beach, she doesn't even she's not even with him anymore. So like for that entire time that she was with him, she was able to keep this like a smooth operation and keep it going. But when she exits the picture and he has he does have people replace her, but they're amateurs, you know? They don't know what they're fucking doing. And he tries himself to like get these girls to come over and stuff and you know, that's when he gets caught because he he gets sloppy. What would you say the differences were uh, from what you know of the way that when Ghislaine was involved in trying to procure women for him and the techniques that she used, what were some of the smoother ways that she yeah. operated when she was involved versus what he did afterwards? Because he said he operated in a sloppy way. Like, wh- describe that. Totally. Well, so a big part of this trial hinges on, like, grooming, you know, mm-hmm. which has become very in vogue to talk about. Um, and it, there's actually no legal definition for it. Like, you know, you can't get arrested for grooming, but it it is a pretty accurate description of like what they were doing. And what Ghislaine really added is she was able through her like, you know, she's apparently a very charming woman. Um, and through that charm and sort of through this like urbane sophistication that she brings to the table, she's able to make these girls feel more at home, feel more like what's happened to them is natural and normal. And like, well, if this glamorous, like, you know, high society woman is not only okay with it, but encouraging it, that it, it's probably good that I'm doing it. Um, and so she was really able to add sort of a touch of class, I guess, to this. But also like, and, you know, again, this is sort of speculative language, but, uh, you know, a certain degree of tradecraft here that, you know, she was replaced by sort of just hired guns that like clearly were just in it for the paycheck, whereas she was in it for love. And probably something more. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different angles we could cover here. I mean, obviously, there's the 
overall frame on this where it's like, what was actually going on here with this overall situation? And I, I wanted to go to her, into her father a little bit and sort of flesh out these alleged connections. Because, you know, yeah. what what was his name? Um, the last labor secretary, was his name Acosta something? Jim Acosta. Someone claims that he said that he was told to back off of the Epstein thing because it was he was intelligence. And then that fake... Pa- he belonged to intelligence, yeah. which could mean a couple different things, yeah. I think. And it's not clear also what they mean, like what intelligence agency. A lot of people, you know, will say Mossad because there's other alleged Mossad connections, including the one that you told me about. I I didn't remember this, that Seymour Hirsch um, actually wrote in a book uh, that he released mm-hmm. um, that Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine's dad, was involved in helping the Mossad track the Israeli nuclear program defector, like the whistleblower, so, so that the Mossad could kidnap him um, where, where they knew he was located in England. I think he like went to Turkey. He got swept up in something and got kidnapped that way. But t- Italy. Yeah. Oh, Italy, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a woman met him on the street, seduced him, and was like, let's go visit my sister in Italy. And when he walks in the door, popped over the head and injected. Classic honey trap. I mean, it's something out of a movie, mm-hmm. and the only way people knew what was going on, like outside of a small circle of press and other people, was that he literally puts his hand up to a news camera. Have you heard about this? Mm-hmm. So he, he said, I don't know at what point the press got wind of his kidnapping, but somebody managed to film him walking from like one car to another, being carried to another car, and he puts his hand up against a camera lens, and he like writes the entire <laughs> ordeal in like marker on his hand, and they were able to like, capture a freeze frame and read it wow yeah i mean it's yeah. almost like you can't even write it it's like it sounds like a spielberg movie or something but uh, the whole the whole mordecai vanunu saga really is you know like yeah this left-wing you know like arab sympathizer guy gets this important job realizes what's going on and then basically you know tries to be a isn't even like he's a whistleblower he goes to the soviet embassy in tibet i think mm-hmm. which they don't know what he did there which Honestly, respect because who the fuck would think to look for you there? But uh, yeah, he gets he basically gets talked into this by this really shady guy he meets in fucking Australia into like selling his story, and then all goes downhill from there. But you know, it's it you know it's it's uh, at the time Robert Maxwell, who is confirmed, we know that he was British intelligence during World War Two. Yeah, although I will say I don't think he was MI six. Uh, at least not all the way because I, they didn't like Jews. Like they, they just, they did, they did not like Jews very much. And he's and a, so, he was a member of parliament as well. Wasn't he? he? Wasn't just like a media mogul. I mean, it was a strong labor man. Yeah. He was a, he was a, he was a labor MP and you know, it's crazy. There's so much less digitized stuff in England because I've been trying to find like Robert Maxwell, like stuff related to his, his career as a labor MP and there's just so little out there. I mean, there's not even that many pictures of him. There's not like a C-SPAN of the UK. They don't have like a. Yeah, well, I mean, it was. I mean, I think it was in the '70s or early late '60s that he was MP. But like, you know, I'm trying to find like campaign <laughs> buttons and stuff. Yeah, but no, that's very interesting. Um, actually, yeah, I mean, I know yeah. Galloway, George Galloway, and some other Parliament people got involved in. Like, he got sued as well as Hirsch. For making mm-hmm. these claims. So 
it's it's kind of complicated because there are some actors who are involved in telling this story who are not always the most upright guys. Speaking particularly of Ari Ben Menashe, mm-hmm. who is a, a little bit of a trickster. You know, like you, you can't always take what that guy, or you definitely can't take what that guy says at, at face value necessarily. But what what is what what is alleged, and what was alleged by Seymour Hirsch way before it was alleged by Benache, I believe, um, was that okay. So Robert Maxwell owns the Daily Mirror. He owns a bunch of newspapers, but the Daily Mirror is the is the one that's sort of germane to this story. When Venunu is he's be, he's dealing with the Times, the Times of London, which is you know like it's like the New York Times. It's kind of like they're like this is the you know the paper of record you know i mean there's a there's a lot more every newspaper in england is the the new york post and so the times of london gets some credibility for just not being the new york post mm-hmm. um and so they're doing like act you know background checks and like they're they're like they're checking out this guy's story basically because this is a pretty explosive no pun intended story you know that israel has nuclear weapons you know a new nuclear state that is is building these weapons in and I'm doing air quotes, uh, although you can't see me here, in uh, you know, decept- deceiving its allies and secretly building nuclear weapons, even though definitely not the case. Um, well, at least the deceiving part's not the case. Uh, but the guy that convinces him to sell his story, a guy named Oscar, I want to call him Oscar Romero, but it's not Oscar Romero. That's a different, <laughs> different guy. Um, but his first name's Oscar. He is like a little worried he's going to get cut out of whatever payday there is because New York or excuse me, English English papers were notorious for giving out money for stories, basically. Mm-hmm. And so he takes these photographs, which he has copies of, uh, of the nuclear sites to the Daily Mirror because the Daily Mirror is known for paying to the top dollar. The Na- Daily Mirror has as its foreign editor a guy named Nicholas Davies, who's alleged by Man- Barry Ari Menashe, but I do believe this. Who's alleged to be part of a gun running scheme called ORA? I think it is ORA. Um, basically, essentially part of Iran Gate and uh, uh, you know a, 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 a company that's running guns. Um, and he's sort of like their high street English like front man. Um, but he's the foreign editor of Robert Maxwell's newspaper. And Ari Benmanashe, of course, at the time works for Mossad, uh, which is you know Israel's premier intelligence service, foreign intelligence service. And what happens is Nicholas Davies and uh, Maxwell sort of one to uh, punch this story by both taking the photographs, copies of the photographs to the Israeli embassy and then smearing Romero, or excuse me, not Romero, uh, Oscar and Venunu on like the front page of the paper and writing these stories, which are according to a bunch of people at the Daily Mirror, basically dictated by Maxwell saying that like this whole thing is bullshit. These people are just like scam artists out for money and like really um, casting doubt on the entire story, which as we know is actually a true story. You know, Israel does have, uh, you know, at least a hundred nuclear weapons. Um, Not sure how many they had at the time, but they have nuclear, they were a nuclear state. Um, And so Maxwell is like, you know, he's he's an important part of this entire operation, which is A, to get Venunu out of the picture, and B, piss all over his name. Um the other the other big uh allegation against Maxwell is that he was um sort of an inherent part of of selling the promise software, uh, which is we could do a whole episode on that, but that was that was a uh 
sort of a spy software developed by this American company called uh, Inslaw, and they essentially had it stolen and then um, reverse engineered by Mossad, who put in a back door into it so that they could see what was going on, uh, whoever used it. And Robert Maxwell went around the world selling that software to like the Soviet Union, you know, Bulgaria. <laughs> the only people who didn't buy it apparently were East Germany, but, you know, to, to basically all these states. And so Israel had like a real big insight into what they were doing. That story gets way crazier once you look at Danny Casalero, who was, uh, you know, mysteriously died while he was writing a book about this, I think called The Octopus. And uh, it's it's that's an entire saga, but that would be that is like a much more intense connection even than um, than the Venunu stuff because this would involve Maxwell working like really hand in glove with with Mossad. I looked into the lawsuit between him and Seymour Hirsch, but this this stuff you're telling me now seems way crazier. I guess one of the things that strikes me about this is like. You know, it almost seems super conspiratorial and tinfoil hat yes. now to suggest that people in mainstream media are like actual intelligence assets or connected to intelligence. But here we have an actual media mogul, someone who's basically like a proto Rupert Murdoch in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. being disconnected. And I just don't think people today conceive of things that way, or if they do, it takes on this more conspiratorial. You know, it's sort of a mar- more marginalized view, but it's 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 just so wild how, you know, how obvious this is. And I don't know if it was this obvious yeah. back in the day, but I, I just wanted to you to touch on this Seymour Hirsch lawsuit because, so you said that Maxwell used um, his own newspapers to like try to discredit the whole story mm-hmm. about the Israeli nuclear program and try to discredit the reporters who tried to report on it. But then he also was accused of being an actual like Mossad or working with the Mossad to act like to help disrupt that whole uh, leak yeah. in the first place. And there was some, something weird that happened there too, where there was like a guy who came out later and said like he had a hoax Seymour Hirsch. Have you, have you heard about that part of it? I did not know about that. No, but go into that lawsuit a little bit. Well, I mean, I, I think we can basically say that like Maxwell was involved in that, right? Yeah. Because first of all, it's his newspaper and the guy was a, a fucking tyrant. You know, that is that is confirmed all across the board, even by people who are politically aligned with Maxwell is he was like, it was, you know, he ran it. He ran a tight fuck. Well, he didn't run a tight ship, but he ran a ship that went by his rules. Um, you know, I'm actually, I don't know a ton about his lawsuit with Hirsch because I always thought it was dropped. Or at least like after Maxwell died, the the problem the problem with a lot of reporting around this is that a, a lot of the sort of later stuff, including some of the promise stuff, comes from a couple of guys, you know, Victor Ostrovsky, and uh, who I think is much more reputable than uh, Menashe, but Ari Ben Menashe, who are defectors, which is you know I I, I don't think that's disreputable at all, but. Um, you know, there's the 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 waters can get muddied because with Ben Menashe, he is you know he has bullshitted quite a few times in the past. He's worked for some pretty bad people in the past and is pretty obviously willing to say whatever and to kind of keep himself in the picture. Um, but also, I don't know how much of that smear, like how much of the sort of negative stuff about him, could be also be smearing from intelligence agencies who want to discredit him. 
right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Although, you know, gut check with this guy, I think is, I think he's probably got some truth to him, but I was also, there's, you know, I, I think there's something, I think he's kind of full of shit too. Yeah, there's a lot, um, a lot of these people, it seems to be the case. For sure. I mean, dude, there's so many people like that that you encounter, like, especially kind of like guys, like ex-intelligence guys who maybe exaggerate a little, you know, like, or like who put themselves at the center of things, you know, because it makes a better, st- you know, your career's over and you're trying to make, or you're at least your career doing that's over. And you're trying to, trying to make a better story. So I don't know. I mean, but also that's pure speculation on my part. I don't know. Um, well, just not that Wikipedia but, is the greatest source, but it says that, that Seymour Hirsch was alleging part of what you said that he, mm. that Maxwell had plotted to discredit Mordecai Van Vanenu, but then that he also was instrumental in alerting Israel to Vanenu's whereabouts yeah. in London. And that, and I don't know which part of the lawsuit was specifically that Maxwell was going after him for. I'm assuming the second part, because that seems like a more extreme claim. Um, but it's also, I mean, why, why yeah. is it? It doesn't seem that much of a leap to me. But I guess the thing I was saying earlier is apparently some, and this could be some form of information war. I don't know how dirty Maxwell got, but apparently some hoaxer. He got dirty. <laughs> some hoaxer named Joe Flynn came out and said that he pretended to be some PI and fed Seymour Hirsch information about Maxwell, which I guess was supposed to mean that, you know, Seymour Hirsch got fooled into reporting everything that he did. So it kind of, it's, it's, it muddied the waters because then that, at that point, I think is when the lawsuit got dropped. Cause then like they came to some settlement after that. And Seymour Hirsch actually said, I accept that it was this man Flynn we were dealing with and that he is a con man. He must be brilliant. Some of the things he told me checked out. So, so Hirsch is also sort of being like, well, yeah, he, I got a hoax, but like, I also like verified some of these other things. So Sir Hirsch aside, the Maxwell connections to all this seem very clear. So I guess in, in your mind, just looking all the, at all this, how does this carry over or does it carry over or is it just incidental that whatever Epstein and Ghislaine were up to had some potential intelligence connection? So yeah, I, this is interesting. I actually did not, I did not know this. And it's funny, actually, didn't even know the part that uh, he said he posed as a private detective who said he had tapped the Sunday Times phones. <laughs> I actually was under the impression that that's not how Vanunu was found. I've, I've read this. I've read um, the Samson option and I've read a couple other books that uh, one of which deals more directly with this. From what I understand, it was like people literally just like went out to go find him. Like Israel hired guys to go find it, which makes a makes a lot of sense, but also. I'll be real. Makes sense to tap the fucking Sunday Times phones too. I mean, the thing is, the thing that makes it so like, you know, to back up a ways here is like we don't know that Jeffrey Epstein was an intelligence agent or that he was an asset or which would I guess probably be more the correct terminology. We don't know that, and like you know, I I I I you know I I always try to keep that in mind. It's like. There's we don't have like a fucking piece of paper that is like Agent Epstein is procuring this and this and this and this. What we can do is we can infer what he's doing and connect it through other similar, you know, um, not cases, but just like tactics used in history. I mean, the honeypot, especially uh, and and figure, you know, you got to wonder, OK, this powerful guy 
has all of these young girls, and not only these young American girls, but these young girls from Eastern Europe, flown into him with abandon. And then these rich and powerful people from all across the world, not just Americans, come and partake in uh, the pleasures of the flesh with these these young girls. And the funny thing is, it's like, we're including here Ehud Barak, who was actually friends with Robert Maxwell, former prime minister of Israel, and I believe an intelligence chief at one time. Uh, he's visited Epstein's apartment, or excuse me, a townhouse in, in Manhattan between, in his own estimation, 10 and 100 times. I mean, there's photographs of him leaving, which... I gotta say, not very good tradecraft on your part to be photographed. Even after the Epstein's first arrest for this, he was still oh, seen yeah. visiting. He was one of the yeah. few people. I think Prince Andrew was another one. There was like, out of the whole pool of people, only a few of them, like an, another smaller circle of them, had the balls to still like expose themselves and keep visiting <laughs> Epstein. Yeah. After that, but back to what you said about Maxwell's um, connections to Ehud Brock. Apparently, Maxwell had. Uh, a bunch of like high Israeli dignitaries, prime ministers oh, at yeah. his funeral, which is also just kind of bizarre. Interesting. Interestingly enough, so Maxwell dies on the fifth of November, nineteen ninety one. Now, at this time, Maxwell had basically been doing. He was kind of like Epstein in that he knew how to move money around. Um, the, the thing with Maxwell, though, is that he was ripping a lot of people off. Like the man was was sitting on a house of cards and with his considerable girth, that house of cards foundation did not last long. Um, and so, you know, he was, he was under a lot of pressure. This is why a lot of people think he committed suicide. He was under a lot of pressure. The bankers were calling him credit Suisse was like, where's our fucking money. Uh, but he goes overboard on the fifth. When after that happens and the family's alerted and Elizabeth Maxwell, his wife and Glenn's mother and all the family is kind of going out there to Spain because that's it happened off the coast of Spain. The person who actually organizes the funeral in Israel is a man named Samuel Pissar, who's, you know, sort of well known in his own right. Uh, but he's also Anthony Blinken's stepfather. And in fact, the man who raised Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. So he was Robert Maxwell is the first of all, the last person he's confirmed to have talked to on the phone. Um but he's the guy who basically got this giant you know, funeral together in Israel. In fact, Robert Maxwell was given a state funeral in Israel. He is buried on the Mount of Olives in like a very, you know, cush spot. Uh, and basically every, every single dignitary and politician in Israel came out to his funeral. Now, the thing is, Maxwell had also invested a shit ton of money in Israel. In fact, money, he kind of, some of that he had stolen from his British companies. He was always doing stuff like that between countries. Um, but he had invested a lot in, in Israel and in the technological uh, sector. And so, you know, he was sort of viewed as this, like, you know, beyond whatever intelligence connections he had, he was really viewed as this, like, sort of important not foreign because he was he was Jewish and so it's I guess I don't know that's the terminology would use but like this this important sort of outside investor um, and he also rumored to have helped connect uh, the Israelis to Czech arms in 1947 as well something which which I be, I believe is totally possible. Let's get a little bit more into the trial itself. I mean I know that it's not over yet, but like what has new has come out of the trial? I guess also maybe just give us like a quick overview of what the actual charges are too, because I think I, I've heard certain people say like, why aren't certain witnesses being called? Why aren't certain victims being called? Like, what is she actually being charged with? 
like what what new any like major revelations it seems like the clinton visitations was the biggest thing that i saw but uh the white house visitations i mean yeah but i mean there's got to be more stuff that's come out that's just sort of gotten lost in the mix at, at least for me so what's really stood out to you as being important or maybe there's so nothing I'll, I'll get to the charges first but i want to be clear before i mention any of this stuff is like Anybody who was expecting this to be like a trial of the century type trial and that like every day we'd be like, and look, here's Alan Dershowitz, you know, a photograph of him eating a baby like a chicken wing. Like it's not, that was never going to happen. Um, you know, this is, this was never, I, I, at least I didn't go into this trial expecting to have us any like new insane revelations. But like you said, with the Clinton stuff. There's all these sort of interesting and I think uh, illustrative like tidbits coming out of it that help us understand this case more holistically, um, even as we're basically witnessing a whitewash. And again, even if you're not take, even if you take the intelligence angle as to be completely fantasy, you're still witnessing a whitewash of the people who actually are confirmed to have participated in this. Um, so she's facing six counts and there's four accusers. So I'm just reading the New York Times. My notebook is in the other room, but the New York Times says one count of enticement of a minor to travel to engage in illegal sex acts in which Miss Maxwell is accused of coercing a girl, identified as minor victim one, to travel from Florida to New York between 94 and 97 to engage in sex acts with Mr. Epstein. One act of transportation of a minor to engage in illegal sex acts, which relates to the above one. One count of sex trafficking of a minor um, which is about victim number four, which is about um, basically having her engage in uh, travel to engage in a commercial sex act with Epstein because he paid her. And three counts of conspiracy, which are related to the other charges. Now, basically, she is not being charged with having sex with the minor. She is being charged with facilitating Jeffrey Epstein having sex with minors, uh, which I think is 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 really important. I mean, Granted, all of these taken together, she could get up to 70 years and she's already, you know, she's no spring chicken. So she's she's likely going to die in prison, even if they only get her on one or two, a couple of these. Um, but with Ghislaine, it, it's it's. I don't the things that have come out of this trial are a I mean. The stuff about the binders is full of CDs, I mean, 38 thousand images is a hell of a lot um at one point they showed us a photograph of his safe which we had known about that was reported i believe in the daily beast and maybe one other place but you know it was reported on but not reported on widely that uh, this is from the new york townhouse this is in the townhouse Raid? yeah okay so that that got raided right after he got arrested um in july of 2019 and what they found was i mean it's like a 44 room townhouse so you know a lot to go through but they found a safe on uh either the third or the fifth floor i can't remember and they displayed its contents for us that was um uh, you know in a photograph it was basically jewelry boxes a lot of jewelry boxes some um some like manila and env- not manila but like those you know yellow big envelopes that you can keep documents in uh and a couple of binders of cds and some external hard drives now, the interesting thing there is the FBI did not apparently have a warrant to go through that safe, which I don't understand exactly how that works. So you're getting no more insight on that for me. But they say their warrant didn't cover it. So instead of leaving someone there with the stuff to make sure that no one takes it, they actually leave the house and come back five days later. 
and then find the safe empty. Now they call, uh, uh, I think his name is Samuel Khan. His last name is definitely Khan. Epstein's lawyer. And he's like, oh, the safe stuff? Yeah, oh, I took it. I have it here in a couple of suitcases. I'll bring it right over. And he brings it over to Epstein's house and gives him these suitcases. Now, they say everything was still there. However, even if you had looked at all those CDs in the binders, you don't know what was on those CDs because you didn't go through the CDs when it was there. And they've been out of your possession for five days. Um, and so, same with the external hard drive. We don't know what was on it. And so, you know, that's that's one of those things that's sort of like, oh, that's a very interesting um, little addendum that or to this fact that that we had no idea about. The other thing, too, is they showed us at one point an image of a box of hard drives, like a huge box just filled with external hard drives and internal hard drives. <laughs> Some of them, a few of them with evidence tape on it. Now, I when this happened, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because I remember vividly in Epstein's arrest in Palm Beach the previous decade, Julie Brown, who's like really, you know, sort of written, wrote like the the big, like the, what was it called? Perversion of Justice series that like basically mm-hmm. made Acosta resign, um, talking about like the plea deal and all that stuff, the non-prosecution agreement. Um she was like also in shock because she had reported, and I'd read this reporting, that Epstein had been tipped off by the Palm Beach PD and all the hard drives from his computers were missing, which is true. So where the fuck was this hard drive ever taken into evidence? Um, and so, oh no, what's on these other goddamn hard drives? We are shown that these hard drives exist. We are not shown what is on them at all. And there's no more, I mean, the prosecution is rested, so there will be no more follow-up on that. Um you know, How are we shown that they exist? Are photographs of these CD binders? Yeah, they they showed us photographed of the, the and dude, it was like, oh, I'm I'm showing it with my hands, so I guess the listeners can't see this, but it was a like a several feet worth of CD binders or regular binders with CDs in them. Those binders are you like people keep in their cars when they had like CD players? No, in cars? what was it called? Something cases. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was called like soft I can't remember. They had a No, it wasn't those. It was like it was like giant school binders, but with like the okay. like plastic sheets of CDs in them. That they were saying they had girls' first names written on some of them. So But I, where where did that come from? Was there a picture of that somewhere? So there actually was, I actually forgot to mention this. We actually did so they they had everything redacted. On those, like all of the, they 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 showed us the spines of the binders, but they redacted everything on them, and so I have no idea what was written on them. It's they said it was to protect third party identification, but no idea. Mm. However, there was a little cardboard box they showed us with some of those like really thin plastic CD cases, and you could see the top of one. And I was actually in the straining my neck, actually in the overflow room of the courthouse, looking to try to read it because it was upside down. It was. We also in when when it's actually being shown, we get a really low res version that they later release in a high res to the public. So it was kind of like scrawled together, but the name written on it was Selena, and Selena is the name of uh, Eva Anderson Dubas Dubin's and Glenn Dubin's daughter, one of their daughters, who Epstein is rumored to have been slated to marry a very young girl, and. Uh, Wow. Made a lot weirder because Eva Dubin was Epstein's ex-girlfriend 
And there's testimony in a civil deposition from their former butler who talks about meeting a girl in their kitchen who looks shell-shocked and drugged, who describes having been taken to Epstein's Island on a plane, but has no memory of that because she was drugged. Wow. That's so weird. So Epstein was potentially courting uh, the daughter of his ex-girlfriend to marry? Dude, if, How young if was you she? read the reporting on this shit, like, I think it's in the Daily Beast and like New York Daily News, maybe? I don't know. But there's a couple, there's a couple long reports on it. It's fucking nasty. Like, he was like fully like trying to, I mean, he was acting towards this girl the way that he acted towards you know, the, 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 the many girls that they recruited. And it's like, it's his ex-girlfriend's daughter. And it seems to be with the, um, like the, the, the Dubin parents seem to be pretty complicit in this as well. Um, like they, they were there when all this was happening. You know, there's a, there's a sort of picture that people point to of being like, ew, gross of Epstein kind of tickling this girl on his lap on a plane. That's Eva Dubin. Um, or excuse me, that's that's Selena Dubin. So I don't know what's on that CD. You know, I don't know what the contents are. Um, but so that's just a speculation that people are putting out there. I mean, or where did the, that come the, the, from? The fact know? is, is that we do know that there was there was a possible. I mean, they were they were going to get married, maybe. You know, I wanted to also touch on. I know you don't have much, that much more time, but I wanted to touch on um, Ghislaine's uh, internet personality, her internet footprint. Yes. Which I guess people say is not confirmed, but it seems, I mean, to me, it seems, it seems like her. I don't know. Um, what do you think about her Reddit account? Is that really you, her? You're talking about the fucking Reddit account? Yeah, dude. This interview, this interview is over. <laughs> Was that you? No, no. I am, I am the, I am the lone truth warrior standing high on the mountain with my sword of light aloft screaming, we have that's probably not Ghislaine Maxwell. Really? I, yeah, I don't think it is. I mean, from the from the from the from the like second that I saw it, I had a gut check of being like, no, not Ghislaine. But I looked at the evidence that they present. So the main piece of evidence that seems to be like uh, in favor of it being Ghislaine is the fact that like, yeah, it stopped posting when Ghislaine was arrested. Now. There are several in reporting on this. There's several other like Reddit mods who are like, "Yeah, we talked to the person. Like, it's it's a dude. It's not Ghislaine Maxwell. Like, we've talked to him since the mm-hmm. arrest happened." Like, the other thing is, it's just like it's not really congruent with her personality. I mean, yes, um, you know, Ghislaine was interested in computers. Her family, you know, her two twin sisters, who we haven't even gotten into, but a lot of spooky connections there. Um, they were Silicon Valley types, like kind of entrepreneurs in the late 80s and 90s. Uh, Isabel Maxwell, in fact, worked for her father's uh, technology business, Information on Demand. Um, but uh, it just, it doesn't strike me as being her. I don't, I don't think she like, she uh, that doesn't seem like she has a passion for like moderating pa- message boards and stuff. I mean, wasn't it the account one of the most highest ranking yeah. Redditors too? Like, yeah. So, I mean. So they're definitely a pedophile. Oh yeah, because what was the thing they they advocate for child pornography? No, so that's the other thing too. Is like <laughs> the thing was like they looked through all the posts. So all right, this is where it gets complicated too. It's because like all right, Ghislaine Maxwell is objectively someone who has sex with children, right? But like it doesn't seem that Ghislaine sought that out before or after Epstein, and it seems mm-hmm. that she likes probably. I mean, who knows what. uh 
excuses she used to sort of excuse the morality of it. But like, you know, there's no there's no evidence of her in any other aspect of her life, like advocating for like, you know, child sex laws to be changed. Or anything. And also it's like the actual comment they post to uh, they go like point to by this Reddit dude is like, OK, you know, like. It's not like it's not like a guy who's like on like you know R slash uh, kids are hot or whatever like it's you know I I guarantee where is it, where, where is it on the vouch scale who sort of share share the opinion that this person shared um, and it's like one post in or like a, maybe two or three in like a billion posts um, I just don't think she had the time to do this you know even even with like. You know, I, I, it just doesn't seem like something, you know, I've never, there's not a lot of like evidence of her being sort of addicted to the computer or the phone like that, like that you'd have to be to, to be, you know, as, as into Reddit as this. I mean, this isn't yeah. just like a Redditor. This is like the guy who Reddited the hardest. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, like there would have been, it was someone who was like terminally online, like one of those like Wiki, like high, like one of those like Wikipedia editors who has all like the medals, like yeah. badges yeah, like on their yeah, page, yeah, like yeah. kind of person. I mean, no, you're totally, I, I, yeah, I, I haven't looked enough into it. So I only kind of saw the surface of it. And I guess the only thing that stood out to me, because I wanted to, to end by t- asking you about this, because it's, to me, this is one of the more fascinating parts of Ghislaine Maxwell. This Redditor talks a lot about, like, saving the oceans yeah. and seemed to be, like, really concerned about that. And there is sort of a interesting – it's probably actually one of the more interesting things about her if she, if she was actually, like, seriously into this is she has this – I don't know if it's a corporation or a – NGO, I think. Yeah, something like that called Terramar, which I think is supposed to be Spanish for Earthsea. But there's also another definition for Terramar, which is a white, finely powdered form of gypsum. I didn't know that. <laughs> but she does seem to be really into this. And there was even like some kind of satellite, one of those like offshoot TED Talks that she did about this. Yeah. Oh, so, I forgot about well, that. Yeah, I watched that. I remember watching that. And part of actually, it was funny because right before I interviewed you, I looked at a Tumblr page for Terramar. Yes. And it seems very amateur. It seems odd. It doesn't seem like they spent like a lot of money trying to brand it, really. And then they also talk about how Richard Branson, billionaire, has now become a citizen of Terramar. Yes. And in one of her depositions in court, she actually was asked, which countries does she have citizenship in? And she says the UK. And then the guy like asked if she has citizenship anywhere else. And she says, I have citizenship of Terramar. What is this passion of hers about? Dude. And what do you know about this? I ha- it's weird too because think about this. No matter who or how he died, or not how, but <laughs> no matter like dude hurt the ocean killed your dad. Like <laughs> you know, even if a guy pushed him or whatever, it's like the thing that ki- that's like that's like your mom getting stabbed and then you start like a kitchen like knife line or something. It's like this is the this killed your dad. You should hate the ocean. No, so Terramar is totally weird because, I mean, from on its surface and like really all we know about it is it looks like just like one of those fucking foundations that like, you know, it's like if you or I start caring about the ocean, maybe you go pick up trash on the beach or something or like, you know, I don't know, give some money to some more. You're not starting your own organization, but rich people are like, I'm going to fix this or like I'm going to start my own organization. So 
that seems to be on the surface what it is, but it doesn't seem like she tried very hard. And it's really unclear at all what they did. Like if, if we're taking them at face value that their goal is to save the oceans, which is, you know, being very generous of us. What did they do besides make fake passports? So they basically, their whole thing is they sold passports, but they're not real passports. They don't even like, they wouldn't, you know, it's, it's not like you could use them anywhere. It's basically being like, I'm a member of the Earth Savers Club. Oh, so they actually had passports leaning into this idea of having citizenship of like this global ocean. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, we're, we're citizens of the ocean and she did sell, she sold these passports. She spoke at the fucking UN about it, which is like, all right, that's a little bit of nepotism. Um, there is also, uh, it's funny. She was also part of the Clinton global initiative. This is actually Terramar is kind of what got her into that. Mm -hmm. She's still, as of last year that the Terramar was still listed on their website. Uh, it, they'd scrubbed most of it, but there was a couple places they forgot. Um, and, uh, she actually was served a subpoena at one point, leaving uh, as like, you know, in her capacity as the Terramar head, a Clinton Global Initiative conference in New York City. Um, and, and there's apparently, there's a unpublished photograph of that incident, which I would, if you're listening to this, any photographers, give my left fucking nut to see. And possibly my right one, as long as I won't admit, I would be a castrati for this photograph. But yeah, I mean, it's it's... Terramar is totally, totally weird because it just seems like it's it was completely ineffective and do nothing in its stated goal. But also that might not be that weird considering that rich people do this shit all the time. But with the fact that it's Ghislaine Maxwell, I think it definitely deserves more scrutiny. Yeah, and it seems like this is maybe the most notoriety or fame that she got. According to New York Times, she spoke at the CFR in that like she was like hired by the CFR in the capacity of being the founder of Terramar. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know she or brought I didn't her in. That she spoke at CFR. Damn. It, yeah. It seems like kind of a strange hobby beyond a, just a hobby, you know, having people like Richard Branson involved in this and wasn't, um, Epstein himself, a member of the CFR. I think he was. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And they actually took his name out and said, Oh, we, we never, uh, who uh, who put that there? <laughs> Epstein? That's crazy that his name was in. It must be another Jeffrey Epstein. Before you go, Brace, I wanted your opinion on the um, the Ghislaine trial tracker meltdown and drama that ensued after Twitter banned this extremely prolific and viral account that seemed to accumulate something like 200,000 followers in just a couple one of day. weeks. One day. Only, only one day. Okay. And, yes. and Marjorie Taylor Greene went to the mat for it and... An awful lot of people on left media did too. I, I noticed they Crystal were like ball. <laughs> it was just it was this campaign all of a sudden, like, let's save this random anonymous account that wasn't doing any original reporting of the trial and it just seemed weird no. to me right off the bat. So what what the hell was that? So there was yeah, like around the time that the Glenn Maxwell trial was starting, or like a week before this account pops up called uh, Maxwell Trial Tracker. And we were actually the third account that it followed. And I saw how this worked because someone was like, oh, follow Truanon. They're planning on going there. And they followed us. And I was like, oh, this is this is someone who's, there's something weird going on here. Because um, they also had like tens of thousands of, no, it took, it took about a week for them actually to get 200,000 followers or maybe less than that. But they had like 30,000 followers like the first day. And apparently they had bought someone's account or like had 
previously had the account as something before and then changed it. And so started with a lot of followers. But anytime like someone starts saying that they're going to be banned soon and like, you know, talking sort of in that way, like they're going to silence me, blah, 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 like better follow quick. I'm like, you're, you're selling something here because the fact of the matter is, is Twitter, Twitter has insane. I mean, as, as somebody who's permanently banned from Twitter, they have very insane and arbitrary rules. Um, but this, the way that this person was talking about it is like, they were going to get, silence for like literally posting about the Glenn Maxwell trial. I'm like, dude, that's not like, no, you're not, you're not going to like, yeah. you won't like, this isn't like the too dangerous truth. Like they're just not going to be like, uh, lots of people talk about this a lot. Well, that was what, what mean? was like, interesting when I first saw them tweeting. I think the first thing I saw was like the media is burying the trial. Like that was one of the first viral tweets of theirs. And I was like, but I've, they're not like, I just remember thinking like, yeah, <laughs> Well, that that's that's actually been a really interesting thing to see this entire time. Is if anyone ever wants to get this is a quick tip for listeners. You ever want to get like ten thousand retweets? Just say the media is burying the Ghislaine Maxwell trial <laughs> because the, the fact of the matter is the media is not. Ba- Dude, the media loves this because it's a fucking it's a fucking giant sex scandal trial. Like, and it also gives them the opportunity to really narrowly focus on just these specific acts that Maxwell did. Yeah. And like, this is, there's no downside here that no one's making the media be like, how come Prince Andrew isn't up there? And the Prince Andrew stuff is that they, they report on that too. Like most of the stuff that people know about that came from the media. Like, you know, I think it's people mix this up where they think that the media will just totally ignore it. Whereas no, the media is not allowed to for a bunch of reasons to even if they wanted to give what is it I would say a more holistic analysis of the Maxwell trial right like that is something that the media cannot and will not do um but they're certainly reporting on it I mean all of this guy's reporting came from just re, like regurgitating like literal court reporters reports and yeah. so it's like like people who are just work at the courthouse and you know tweet are able to tweet and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it got all these like hundreds of thousands of followers in a couple of weeks, which I was like, okay, it's just buying followers because that's if you have nobody gets traction that fast. Like celebrities barely even do. Um, but it got banned. It was before it got banned. It was trying to s- basically sell subscriptions to a Substack. And actually, I thought this was a pretty great scam move <laughs> to just be like, I'm going to get banned soon for truth. But if you sign up to this sub stack, like blah, blah, blah. And they did get banned. And then they had one of their backup accounts post like this, like our statement on the banning. And they're stupid because they kept they kept implying they got banned for making this one post about Ghislaine Maxwell, which is like, dude, no, you literally took that information from like. Other people who've been reporting on it who are, have not been, no one else has been banned but you for reporting on this. And they posted the email they got from Twitter saying why they'd be banned. And it was they were banned for buying bots. And so it was it was like, they were like, oh, but just for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can sign up to our Substack and get the full truth. And so it's like, this is a great scam. I like this scam. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, all these guys, Eric Weinstein, you know, he, I, th- this was so emblematic of it and emblematic of so many fucking people here who are, you can tell like, this is like, whenever someone does this, you can be like, this is a do do dumb. Like you can not take them seriously is they're like, he posted screenshots like right on time. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, 
People love doing that because they don't actually have to explain what they mean. Because, oh, so you're saying that Twitter banned this account right on time, which is like a week and a half into the Maxwell trial? You think? Yeah. I don't know. Um, because they were saying the truth too much. It's like, you, you, like, you know, like if you think about it for two seconds, you're like, that's probably bullshit. But they, they, you know, Weinstein is, you know, the worst of the Weinsteins that is in the public consciousness. Um, you know, these guys, they don't give a fuck. They just want to muddy the waters or get fucking retweets or get people to listen to their fucking shows or whatever. They're bullshit artists. Yeah. I mean, definitely people like that are, I guess what infuriates me so much is like i see like serious leftists you know yeah p- promoting this thing too and it's like it is a it is a serious problem that there is sort of like selective you know probably politically motivated bannings or shadow oh, yeah. bannings online but then like when you promote and signal boost this stunt you're basically yeah. just taking away from what's actually going on you know the, where people are getting banned unfairly and then like what you said you, you know you you got, you know, how easy it is just to get banned for saying something that's like offensive, but then like you buy th- hundreds of thousands of bots and then they don't ban you for until like two months in, you know? So yeah, exactly. It's yeah. I know that's the thing. It's like, dog, you, you, you could probably do this and you didn't like you, you were, you were, you were, you were tipping the scales a little too much by buying hundreds of thousands, you know, yeah. maybe you should have just bought like a, f- I don't know, 100,000, 500,000 seems excessive. Um, it's funny. It's when they actually like, because the account came back for like a couple days and um, they, I, I think they like take, like ban most of the bots. And so they only had like 50,000 followers or something like that. It's like, and then it kept going down and then they got banned again. And, you know, my, my thing about it is like, whatever, all the grifters are going to say like whatever fucking Eric Weinstein's bullshit he wants to say dark in what's it not the dark enlightenment the dark <laughs> the intellectual dark web intellectual dark web dude those guys have gone off remember james Lindsay? oh yeah have you seen his shit lately oh yeah dude it's it's the it, he's he's all over the shit he just keeps amping it up he's like talking about getting banned on instagram or, or i don't yeah. even know it's it's ridiculous there are all these like drama queens acting yeah. like they're about to get banned every day for like speaking the dangerous truth which is like People are too liberal. Like it's, I don't, I don't know what the truth. Like you say, way less crazy shit than like OAN, and they're not banned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're just like the. You're just talking about like there's like urban Maoists who are doing like smash and grabs with black people or something like that. You just literally like that's like you're just OAN. You know, it's. Yeah, I mean they've they've just they've they've taken that and ran with it, and it's unfortunate because yeah, it is a serious problem that the internet is getting like yeah. clamped down on, and yeah, fuck all these people, but people are, I mean, yeah, I I got to give it give it to him for running a successful scam. He probably did make a decent uh, amount just off of that. So, and the thing the thing about left wing people falling for it that makes me feel really like kind of mad. It's like two seconds of critical thinking or even semi-critical thinking would you be lead you to be like yeah this is probably some bullshit you know exactly it makes you be like wow people will fucking believe anything they read yeah the minute they read it well there was a one just before we go there was one other example i remember that was like especially crazy to me where edward snowden retweeted a pastor saying that trump was about to pardon assange and it went viral like all over twitter and it was like 
And I looked into the pastor and like just going down his timeline, just a few tweets, it was like he was saying like the QAnon slogans. And I'm like, dude, did nobody look at his timeline? Like where, where's, how did, why would Snowden retweet? The whole thing is just weird to me. And dude, once (laughs) I told, I told WikiLeaks Twitter account that this was this, and this is very sort of corny and silly in retrospect, but do you remember the whole Harambe thing? Yeah. I said that Hillary Clinton had talked about taking him out uh, like years before. And I read that in WikiLeaks and the guy, they like, I mean, whoever was running the account, like was like, Oh, can you, can you like, what was the actual, what was the, what was the number of the email or whatever? It's like, what? Dude, like, <laughs> I only amazing. had like a thousand followers too. I guess tone is hard. Oh, no, to I posted, up. I posted a fake WikiLeaks email where she talks about it. Like I made. Oh my God. Well, thanks for your time today, Brace. And I hope more exciting things come out of this trial, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be that explosive. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you never know. Maybe, but the, this whole concept of like, will she talk? You know, is she going to, is she going to uh, be suicided? It's like, I don't know. She's, if she would have had something really explosive to say, I feel like she would have already said it, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, so I, yeah, I don't expect anything explosive, but I am, I think it's important to like see how the government deals with this and how contained they keep it. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't mention this earlier, but Maureen Comey is James Comey's daughter and she's the lead of the prosecution, prosecutorial lead. And you know, it, it will be, and I'm curious. I mean, I think she will go to prison, but I'm curious to see what they actually nail on because the prosecution's case is not airtight. You know, obviously she did it, but the actual like evidence they have, you know, it's fucking court. That's different than knowing someone did it. You have to prove that they did it through very specific means. So I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah, let's let's talk more after it's over. Yeah, let's definitely do that. I think that's really important to remember that you can glean insight off of just like knowing what they're not covering and how like that story about how the FBI left the binder of CDs there and came back five days later. I mean, it's it's shocking, but, you know, that's how these things go. So thanks again, Brace. Thank you for having me on. I fucking my favorite guy to talk to. (laughs) Thanks, man. And uh, and I will definitely have to catch up on. uh, your your true and on podcast about this because I've been sleeping on them, but uh, keep up the good work and let's talk again. Yeah, after the trial. Perfect. And as always, with the obligatory Patreon plug at the end, please consider becoming a paying subscriber to Media Roots Radio if you're not already by paying as little as five dollars a month at patreon.com slash media roots radio you get immediate access to several dozen bonus episodes bonus podcasts that aren't released publicly and we provide a bonus podcast every month only for our patreon subscribers among many other perks so check that out take care